Welcome back to the Love Letters to Virginia podcast. Today we have filmmaker Tom White. He's one of the co-founders of Channel 757 and is currently the owner. Before we move any further, I just want to warn you that this episode contains some light adult language. My name is Tom White. I am a low-budget film producer, director, uh, I'm one of the founding members of Channel 757. I am the owner of Channel 757. Um, and yeah, I really like pancakes. <laughs> pancakes. Okay, where do you like to get your pancakes from when you're making oh, yourself kind of guy? Okay, you know, let's, I gotta, I gotta point this out. I love IHOP, okay? Okay. But IHOP is because it's the most consistent chain pancake you're going to find anywhere, okay? It's going to consistently be that same thing. And it's easy to find an IHOP. You can always find one, and you can always get in. So, for that reason, um, it's one of my favorite restaurants. It actually, uh, this thing goes back to theater. I did theater in high school, and at the end of any production we were doing, you know, that la- that very last show, when we'd wrap up and get all the set pieces back to the school, we'd go to IHOP. And, and so that just became this thing that I like to do, you know, with my my crew and everything from there. It's, um, not, not on this last thing that we did, um, because you know, pandemic and everything's kind of changed stuff up. But yeah. really, uh, pretty sure what we what we usually do is that last shoot, that last day of filming. I'll take everybody to IHOP either for breakfast or after the shoot for dinner. So that's fun. That I remember doing that in high school too, and, and I love having that last moment to yeah. enjoy together. Yeah, yeah, just because, you know, because usually, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very transactional business. A lot of times <laughs> so you'll have one production or one play or one whatever that you do, and you'll get really bonded with these people because your lives are intertwined for like a month or so. And then... You may never see these people again after that. Like, you may never find anything that you actually work together on, you know, unless you're, you know, I'm lucky that with my crew, it's pretty much a, you know, we, we, we see each other again very frequently, but people do fall at different points here and there, but yeah. it's just interesting, because, but with actors, because, you know, I might even work with an actor again in the future, but it might be two, three projects before I find something that says, hey, this is for you. This should be you, <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, but yeah. Do you write any of the projects that you're working on as well? I am one of those people who's uh, you know how you have those writers that have wonderful concept and ideas, and they start really great on a project, and then it takes forever for them to write. Because yeah, <laughs> it happens. It happens. I I'm like that. And my other thing is this, is that I'm really critical of everything that I do. It's one of the same reasons why I hate editing, because I, I always tell, you know, anybody I work with, I'm a slow editor, you know, because well, I'm also a slow writer. Because if I'm editing something that's, like, for a gig or a job, I can just, like, spit that out. Because yeah. someone, someone else is going to approve, and if they, like, even if I don't like it, they're going to be like, hey, I like that. I'm like, great. <laughs> you, can, you got exactly what you wanted, you know. But if it's mine... 
I'm going to critique it heavily over and over and over and over again, and then I'm going to put it back through this, and then I'm going to do it again, and chop it up again, and change it, all this different stuff. And that's the same thing I do with my writing. And so I always feel like I never get anywhere. But um, I took some time off uh, when I had my, my second kid, my daughter. Um, and when I came back to start directing again in 2018, I think, um, at that point in time, one of the first things I thought to myself was, I don't want to write any of my own stuff I said, I just, I just, you know, let's just be real, Tom. Where are we getting hung up at on when we have a concept and an idea? So what I want to do is I want to find a writer. But in order to find a writer, you've got to, you know, find scripts and check out different people's stuff. And I had come across this script just on the internet, just uh, from like Simply Scripts or whatever. It was called A Cure for Loneliness. And I read that. And it was by uh, Richard F. Russell. And, man, uh, Richard has written everything I've done since then. And most what, it, what really happened was this. It wasn't even a situation where I was coming to Richard and said, Richard, write this. Which, we've done that, because we just recently did that for Lex. You know, oh, wow. I, okay. I outlined every scene on how I wanted it to go. You know, and I sent him uh, the breakdown for because I don't, I don't. Richard never told me whether or not he was a superhero person, <laughs> but Richard's a little, you know he's a little older than me, retired, um, and uh, lives down in North Carolina, um, which was interesting because out of out of all these scripts out of the entire internet, I found one from somebody in the state just below me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was a big superhero person, so I like broke down all the characters, who they were. You know, Superman was pretty obvious. You know, we all know that guy, and we know enough about Lex. But you know, I had to tell him who Mercy Graves was. I, I had to tell him who Bruno Mannheim was, and, and all this, and how that all of this stuff worked together. But it was all in an outline, which I'm really good at doing an outline. It's making actually a script and putting in the dialogue and all of this and how this goes and this character development and everything there. That's where I, I constantly find myself editing myself over and over again into yeah, oblivion. Exactly. So, but with Richard, I was able to give that to him, and he would create a great script out of it. But that's, you know, we have done that twice. There's twice where I've given him a script and he wrote it from my ideas. Everything else has been me, you know, doing Richard work because I really enjoyed it. Um, my my anthology, uh, Bad Things, Good People. Okay, that actually came from. After we did Cure for Loneliness, mm -hmm. which Cure for Loneliness fell together so perfectly because I read that script, I contacted him, which is like, you know, this is a rando email, so there's a very good chance he's never even going to see it because you know how many, how many emails get sent to you oh from people you don't know. And then you, so you don't even, you, you either don't respond or you're like, this is a scam or it ends up being your spam folder. Right. So I was thinking it was never even going to get to that. He responded back like the next day um, and uh, he checked out some of my other stuff and everything and uh, I sent him one of my shorts girl on girl I, I sent that to him and he was like okay all right cool so you're doing the thing that's cool well 
if you want to do pure forlornness, cool. And I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I really like your script, and I want to do it, and I'm glad I got your yes. But I'm only going to do it if these two other people say yes. And I said, I want to get uh, this guy I've never worked with before to shoot it. And that was Sergio. Sergio in Lausanne was best cinematographer in Virginia. I know there's a guy, a lot of guys who are mad at me now even that I said that, but he's the best. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, Joel Nathan King. I said, if Joel will, will do the role, if the two of them say yes, we'll shoot your movie. And both of them just like Richard, like it, which which was it was funny because I had had no interactions with Sergio at all before I sit in the except for this one time where I asked him like what camera he shot something with and he came back with like some smart ass Facebook comments like I just pull my fingers together like that yeah right and it, it was and it was funny it was funny so I was like there was a part of me I was like this guy probably doesn't like me right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> But then when you meet Sergio, you're just like, oh, you're just always a smart ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, uh, he, he responded right back, and he was like, because I had seen this this uh, short fashion video he did called Galactic Melt, which was nice. awesome. And um, it just it just a lot of beautiful imagery that he did and put on and just shot around the area. And uh, Sergio's really great with that. And I saw that, and I said, I want this guy to shoot this idea that I have for Pure Forlorness. And then uh, that, plus being able to get Joel as the lead role and everything, and both of them responded back in 24 hours. We love the script. Let's do it. And from there, um, I ended up building what's pretty much my current team, because at that point I hadn't really had a crew in a couple of years, because I had taken a few years off. And um, But yeah, pretty much the current team I roll with now is who you know, started, they're either people that came back, like Jan, my, my makeup artist, uh, Jan Franklin, you know, we've been producing stuff together for a while, um, Paul Conto, who, uh, is another camera op and drone operator, he's, what's he, he told me, like, uh, told me he left his last year, he said we've been making films for about nine years now. Nice. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing, that is, yeah, it's about nine years ago, the first time he and I worked together, and, uh, uh, yeah, so, anyway, but through Cure for Loneliness, um, Richard really enjoyed what we did with that, because, you know, he didn't, it, it was crazy, because he, he said yes to me off of uh, a movie that I made with a pretty much completely different team, and everything there, and I was flat out up and honest with him, I was like, hey man, I'm coming out of a break, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to put this stuff together, you know, because I, I just didn't want to, I don't like, uh, I don't like, um, getting expectations up and, you know, letting people down and stuff. So I want to be very clear on where I was with it and what I was going to be trying to do. Yeah. But, man, he saw it, and he loved it so much that he was like, I wanted to, you know, yeah, look, it was great. It actually did really well for me. We got a lot of, I, I, it was my first really well-received film festival film. Richard really enjoyed it, and he sent me about a hundred short film scripts. Wow. And he said, hey, any of these that you want to do, just let me know you're doing it and do your thing. And 
the very first uh, script that I read that he had given me was titled Bad Things, Good People. And we actually renamed the script. We did shoot that one, and that became Remembrance. Oh. Yes, it originally was Bad Things, Good People, and I, I loved that title, but I was like, the thing was, I read that script, then after that I read another script, and that was Box 21. Then I read another script, and that was the cartoon, and then, and then after I read all these different scripts, there was a really interesting through line of self-righteousness throughout these stories that made me go, I want to do an anthology. And, yeah, and that's how that was borne out. But, like I said, most of the stuff that I've done over the last few years has not been stuff that I wrote, even though I've had some concepts, the ideas that I've done that Richard did adapt for me, you know. But I've been shooting Richard today because it's amazing. It's great. I love it. <laughs> that's so awesome. You guys really work together well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really he, – you deal with a lot of writers, and I know this myself, writing, because you, you wrote it, you created it. It's – there's nothing is more your baby than a script that you have written. Okay? Like, even when you're an editor and you cut together a film, you cut together a whole bunch of other work that everybody else did that got to this point. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And But the whole concept, even if someone gives you, like, the concept, you put the words in the character's mouth. You really brought that character out. You see what I'm saying? So it's hard to do that and then hand it up because... The only thing I can think of is like being a parent, and now you've, hey, I've birthed this child, and we're still in the infancy, and now I've got to hand it over to all these other people to raise it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, um, and so I get that. But Richard um, is very good with everything. It's, we got to pretty much, the way I look at it is this. I tend to feel like I have a good grasp on the scripts that Richard does. To the point where um, I feel okay making certain changes. But the majority of the time, if I'm going to change something major, I run it by Richard. You know, I run it by Richard. Because um, I don't want to change his story without him getting to put his stamp on that. But and, and, and a perfect example would be the cartoon. The cartoon had a different ending, you know. And I came to Richard and I said, what if we did this instead so that I can get this particular ending out of this thing? And Richard said, okay, yeah, we can work with that. We can make some adjustments. And he made changes to that. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, then we, um, there was another one. It was Remembrance itself. Now, that's a different one. That's one where I made the change. It, it ended differently as well. I mean, everything happened the same way. See, that's this is the thing. And this is the difference, I mean, is that, like, everything happened pretty much exactly the same way it happens in the script, except I made it more dramatic. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I added a... It was... The thing I love about Richard, because uh, if you go back to Cure for Loneliness, the ending for Cure for Loneliness is very, very subtle. You see, when you figure out what... when when they point out the line of what they're doing and what's happening, yep. it's said just in just casual conversation Dead. back and forth. Yeah. It's not made a dramatic point because it was supposed to be just, you know, and, and so 
when I read that script, I was reading and I'm going through and I was like into the and I was like, wait, hold on. And I had to go back and be like, oh my God. The, t- the twist. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And that was it. That, that was it with Cure for Loneliness. And that was um, pretty much a same similar thing that had happened in the end of the original version for Remembrance or Bad Things, Good People. For me there, whereas in Cure for Loneliness, it was this whole, like, you know, what the hell moment. With Remembrance, it didn't land exactly that same way because of the different journey that we had gone on with the two characters. So for me, I was like, no, I want something where we just flip the entire script in one second, and now all of a sudden, the story we thought we were telling is not the story that was being told. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So where I wanted a, a, or mood shift was what I told I want a complete mood shift in that one moment. And then now it's like, oh, okay. So, but then of course, there were still the breadcrumbs that were still laid there that could have let you know this is where we were going. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really love that. I, I was not. I'm not really sure what I was expecting. <laughs> what I, with remembrance? With all of them, it, it took me a minute to realize that it was all kind of like a an an, an anthology, mm. and I guess. What I was mainly expecting is that I know the way that you tell very human stories from perspectives that you wouldn't necessarily think of people to be the most human. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, that was amazing. It made me want to go back to school for psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, with... A lot of that, though, I have to credit to, like I said, to Richard with uh, the stories that he gave me because those were the things that really spoke to me because in each one of them, like, you know, my favorite thing was uh, my wife. She reads all of my scripts and everything beforehand, except for Lex. She didn't get to read Lex. That one, I was like, I want to just surprise you with what we're doing. But um, so all she's all she's done so far is just see all the Amazon packages coming in. She's like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, but um, yeah, but as far as um, bad things, good people, like I said, hey, these are the scripts that I'm going to, that I'm going to produce and turn into an anthology. What do you think of these? And she read them all, and then like at a certain point, she was just like, so, so where are the good people? <laughs> Honestly, and that's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was that was the point. It was the whole idea between behind Bad Things to People and why I liked each one of those stories is that I wanted to to I wanted to go with something kind of um, kind of like um, broken. Uh, what is it? Black Mirror. Yeah. I'm very Black Mirror in the sense that you know, with Black Mirror in the Twilight Zone. Um, you know, the things you're, you're worried about is technology and people and mysticism and people or the unexplained in people. But I was like, but the thing that was always part of those stories was still the people, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, well, what if we just get rid of the unexplained? What if we get rid of the technology? We just focus on the real scary social part of that is that, you know, you really never know who you're dealing with. 
you just know the version of them that you're supposed to know for whatever's going on. And something as simple as coincidence, you know, and being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or, you know, you, you really just don't know who you're dealing with a lot of times, you know? And for me, in each one of those stories, there is like a, a social thing or an issue that, you know, frankly, is something, some part of society that I find a little bit frightening. Like, when we talk about hero, um, uh, the idea of someone so wealthy and rich, you see what I'm saying, being able to come in and make that kind of a bargain with somebody and someone who, you know, because we don't explicitly say it in the film because we want to leave that much up to at least some kind of interpretation. If this guy can come in and just throw around this money and everything in the middle of the day to somebody who's probably down and left on their luck, where it's worth the risk. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, uh, and I think that aspects is, you know, one of those things that I always think. That's a little frightening. That's a little scary on a social, on a social level, you know, that people will interact with each other that way. So, um, yeah, that, uh, the ideas uh, with Box 21, ideas of you never know who you're dealing with on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and, and we're in a time that's even more now we're primarily dealing with a lot of people mostly on the internet. You and I had an entire like back and forth with each other before we finally met one another. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so and, and, and it's interesting because people will know a lot about you through the internet before you even meet them. Like Sergio, again, like Sergio. Sergio and I work together closely and everything now, but Prior to that, I always tell them. I always tell them it's like it's it's amazing to me that you're working because I was a fan. I was just looking at your stuff and enjoying it from afar first, and then finally asked you, "Hey, you want to do this thing?" So there was this whole, there was a whole uh, um, different kind of relationship that was there that existed on the internet before we actually knew each other as actual people. Yeah, and so and that's one of those things that I really try to explore with Box Twenty One too. You know, but again. You know, I wanted to do it since we wanted to go from the thriller aspect. We wanted to go, you know, lean hard into the more negative connotations. Yeah. You know. Have you wanted to do more horror genre thriller stuff? You know, it's interesting. Um, I really feel I'm kind of heavy in a, a, a thriller, you know, mystery thriller kind of uh, kind of genre. I wanted to do a horror. We actually had uh, begun production on a horror film, and it was going to be a feature, you know, that we actually started production on in November of last year. But the pandemic, we got, oh my God, we got about half of it shot. Um, but everything, that's when the pandemic started going really crazy. That's when that real big influx of cases and everything coming out in November. And, um, it just really just made things very difficult, shut things down, um, made things difficult for talent, made things difficult for crew, and finally I just said, you know what, um, you know, we, we just, we ended up finding ourselves in a situation where we just couldn't move forward without either starting over and then losing all of that time and all of that that we had brought together, um, or just scrapping things or shelving it at that time. And so we just went ahead and shelved it. And then, you know, honestly, it turned it out probably, turned out probably a blessing in disguise because there was a certain, uh, 
there was a certain creative decision we had made with it that I don't think would have worked out well. <laughs> you know, in the end, uh, just the way life went with everything out of the pandemic. So uh, it, it's probably best that, you know, things, you know, sometimes things work out for the best. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm actually not that sore about it at this point in time. Um, we've done pretty well since then. We were able to get uh, that time of year taken care of, you know, get that in. Um, which, with that one, I was uh, trying to... It was interesting about that time of year. Is we were actually going to shoot that. I was thinking about adding it to Bad Things, Good People. Because it's got a similar vibe. Yeah, definitely. But, it just felt too... Um, I don't know. I didn't. I don't feel like it really would have. Because I think really, once by the time you get through the cartoon, I think I've really made my point. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I feel by that point I've made my point, and uh, so I was like, you know, there's really no need to stick around longer for it. Plus, that time of year could very well feel like its own thing if I didn't have to trap it in the tone of bad things good people because all of those do have a very similar tone about them yeah um whereas you know that time of year i wanted to be able to be its own thing and kind of have like since it's got those flashback parts with the 80s feel and everything there which um the interesting thing about it though is we were going to shoot it a month after we wrapped for the cartoon in we wrapped the cartoon in February of 20 and then we were going to shoot literally in March I mean we myself and Caitlin Caitlin Whitaker my co-producer on that time of year she had already gotten okays from ODU for me to come and look at some locations and everything like that Thursday mm -hmm. and we were already balanced you know moving schedules back and forth trying to make that happen and in the middle of that is when everything shut down and ODU was like yeah no never mind nobody can come here nobody can do anything we gotta close down campus and I was like why are we closing down the campus what's going on <laughs> what's going on and then I'm like oh that's right the news that's a real thing because you know <laughs> uh, I get, at first it was like one of those things where I'm like a pandemic I was like I was like cool so it's like a bowl or whatever happen? It was it was one of those things like I, I always remind people I was like you know I like I remember hearing about SARS and hearing about yeah. you know like you know hey Ebola's being a thing again and I'm like all right cool but it was all these things that were happening localized yeah localized yeah. little spots so so even hearing about it like at first it didn't catch me until I was like what do you mean ODU cut they shut down everything I was like oh so this is a real problem. And so then, like, I immediately pulled my kids out of school. <laughs> like, everything, like, it all, like, it all, the whole world changed in, like, a week's time, you know? Because mm -hmm. um, I'd say until March, nobody, like, nobody was really taking anything seriously and everything. And, and I want to say, even when I pulled, like, at that same time all that happened, I had a, a coworker who had had it really bad. Just all of a sudden just came down with it really bad. And I found out about that through social media. I just said, man, that's... You know, like I said, so everything changed. But we were going to shoot that time of year that, you know, like that week, you know. But it ended up being the first thing we did um, after everybody could get vaccinated. <laughs> we wow, that took a long time to yeah. get back in. That yeah. sucks. It was a whole year whole year later because we, uh, we shot it at the uh, uh, end of April, uh, beginning of May. Yeah, 
was in April, in April when we shot it, uh, of this year. Um, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was it, man. It was, it was cool to bring everybody back and have everybody together. Um, especially after we had kind of, even though we, we, we had all seen each other just recently in November, you know, because we all, I really thought with that I had pulled, uh, pulled off a good idea to have a really localized location, so we were all going back to the same spot filming the majority of that film awesome. um, so we were all able to still see each other and then still s remain you know relatively safe and we're doing all our checks and everything and uh, uh, Caitlin you know coming out and doing COVID uh, you know temperature checks with everybody and going through a questionnaire every time someone comes to the set and you know um, it was uh, it was just a cr COVID has been a crazy experience as far as filmmaking has gone but it's one of those things where even now, like with Lex, I told everybody this time around, I was like, wait, everybody's got to be vaccinated. And I said, it just makes things so much easier being able to, to plan. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs> like Safe, just, not sorry. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, locations are just more willing to work with you. Locations that don't even have mandates for their own, like, people to be vaccinated, no lie. Like, mm -hmm. when I talk to them and I point out, yeah, but my whole crew will be vaccinated. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're... They're just open then. They're just oh, open cool. to work with you more at that point, and then it just moves on. Um, but yeah, because yeah, I've had that. I've had locations where I know the person that I'm talking to that runs the location is not even vaccinated, but totally okay with us coming in since now they know we all are. And mm -hmm. Messy. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> are you from here originally? Mm. Yeah. Did you go to ODU? I did not go to ODU. Okay. I was born in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, okay. I was uh, born in Montgomery, Alabama. I've moved around pretty much my whole life. Moved in Savannah, Georgia, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Portland, Oregon, nice. Columbus, Ohio, back to Montgomery, Alabama, and then we moved here in 1999. That's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Oh, wow. And so for me, Virginia is home. Okay, nice. So you've been here through most of the... It was a swamp, and now it's kind and of like it's little a, cities. A, yeah, everywhere. little cities. Yeah, I've I've been able to see the changes because I remember when um, we moved here. I did not want to move to Virginia. I remember that because most of my family's in Alabama and everything. Yeah. So I remember at that, and I was about to go into middle school. Like I was transitioning into middle school uh, there, so I was uh, against the idea of moving to Virginia. And I was just like, who moves to Virginia? And now, of course, I'm saying that coming from Alabama, backwoods Alabama, you know, or not backwoods, it was Montgomery, but still, it's Alabama, I understand. But we're known for our football and our racism down there. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but moving to Virginia was not something I wanted to do, and then, because that was pretty much my take on it when I got here, it was like, it was a swamp and some hotels and, you know, and a beach, and I'm not a beach person. Yeah. So I was just like camping. I was just like, eh, whatever. But here's the thing. Um, I really like the people. Like, most of the people. It's funny because I don't like people in general. But um, oh most God, of the people same. here. And uh, <laughs> I, I felt people mostly here in Hampton Roads were pretty chill for the most part. Until you start, you know, until you start getting into you know, the depths of everything with each other. On the most general level, everyone around here is just fine. 
crazy. You know, and yeah. that's the thing that I love about the the Tidewater Hampton Roads area is, honestly, honestly, unless you start asking really objective questions to people, uh-huh. <laughs> everyone's chill and just wants every, just, you know, leave me alone, let me do my thing, and we're all fine, and we're good, and I hope you do your thing. Just don't do anything that affects my thing. <laughs> you are so right. And that's it. That's pretty much how people are here in Virginia. And and I've always thought that was cool because it, it, until you get in the, get them into talking politics or talking ideologies or whatever like that, everyone's pretty chill um, and fair for the most part. Um, but yeah, so and that's always been my take on Virginia. And then I, I liked being somewhere where I was getting to see it grow. And it was it was nice to have this place that uh, I never saw really mentioned in pop culture much at all. Then become this thing that does get mentioned a lot more. Yeah. Uh, popularly in, in culture and everything. Thanks, Pharrell. Um, <laughs> come um, back to us. Yeah, come back to us. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, it's it's cool. I really love I really love Virginia. And I really love the people and. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good community here. Um, it's one of those things that I tell people with filmmaking, like so particularly like with filmmaking in the film community. Um, I've never had any issues, um, and I, I say I was very blessed at the at my beginnings of being introduced to a lot of people, yeah. like right out the out the gate, and I, I was very privileged in that. Um, but I will say that I've you know. There's sometimes people say they'll have a hard time finding people that want to help and everything there, or, or finding people who can help. And, and that's never been my issue um, that I've had in Virginia, especially when it comes to the film community. Everyone has always been, you know, or I've always felt that everyone was willing to help me. And Definitely. I was willing to help them back. And, and it was always kind of this whole reciprocal thing, you know. And it gets clicky. There are people in your clicks just naturally because you want to work with who you know can do the job. Yeah. You know, but everybody still already knows each other and they'll help. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a random situation and I've been able to go to um, even someone that I just don't, I've never even worked with before. Um, like Lance. This guy Lance is a great cinematographer and director here. I was able to go to Lance because I, I was shooting uh, a, a uh, I was shooting a comedy show for Quincy Carr. Oh, <laughs> yes, we were shooting his uh, his uh, Too Young for Forty um, comedy special. I was the producer on that, and we got there the day of. We you know I, I got this crane, we got this crane, and we got all the stuff, and it's all good. And then uh, you know I've got. I got all the crew, and they've got all their little Channel 757 shirts. It's great, right? I'm like, okay, we did the thing. And then um, we were never able to come in for, like, a like test run on all the lights and stuff. And then at the very end, there was, like, this, this idea that we had just wasn't going to work. And so now I needed something new, and I was just like, look, we're just going to hit it with a really, really heavy blue light. You know, and it'll light up the thing in the back, and then we'll get that blue, and it'll be a very, you know, a more of an old-school kind of feel on it. And they're like, cool. And then none of the lights there would get the effect that I needed. No. And Matt Birchfield, um, another great cinematographer uh, and director, 
here and you know he does a lot of uh, plays and stuff now too over at the Z. Uh, Matt Birchfield was there on the crew and Matt was telling us the light we needed and he was like yeah I was like I don't know exactly where you're gonna get one and I was like and something just crossed my mind I don't know how we thought of Lance but I just Lance let me let me get a hold of Lance and got a hold of him yeah yeah Tom just rolled through come and grab it man you know awesome. picked it up it was like a last minute save you know and and we were able to set up and do exactly what we wanted to do yeah you know you get fantastic people like uh uh, Jessica Gall and, and uh, John Abrahams and everybody over there at JPEX and everything, you know, that they're all doing their own thing. But, you know, at the same time, if you needed anything, call them up for something, you know, they, they'll help you out. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, you get all these different, these they, there are clicks. There are clicks, you know. But that's not from anybody excluding anyone. Is the difference? It's just see. because they know they know they work together well, but yeah. it is an actual community, exactly, which is very rare. That's the thing that sets us apart, I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it. They're they're everybody's clicky because you know you you just work with who you know. As long as Sergio is willing to shoot my stuff, I want him to be the guy shooting. You see what I'm saying? So I'm going to go to Sergio. Now, if there's something that comes up and I've got to do a gig and I can't get Sergio because he's in Cali or something like that, then I, I have other people I know that I will go to to shoot this other particular thing. But when we're talking about, like, my thing, like, my particular thing, I will wait for Sergio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I don't blame you. So, yeah. Is there anything else you can tell us about Lex? Oh, about Lex. Um... I don't want to get too, too far into everything on Lex, because I, I, it's a real big thing that I do want to just kind of, you know, drop it and and see, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, you'll want to do a trailer, you want to do this, you want to do that, and, you know, Lex is kind of one of those things where, you know, I don't even want to send it to festivals or anything, I just want to just drop it on the internet and then drop you know, some kind of trailer that at the same time that says, yeah, you can watch it right now, you know, and just watch it then and see how it gets received at that point. Because, um, uh, you know, the festival circuit's been great. I've enjoyed the festival circuit, you know. Yeah. The thing that I enjoy about festival circuits for short films um, that I, it was an experience that I got before is you get a lot of people, you, you think to yourself at first, you know, especially after you've gone to some of them and everything. Well, you're like, okay, so what am I getting out of this? You know, who all seeing your stuff? Let me tell you who's seeing your stuff. People who really, honest to God, want to see your stuff are yeah. seeing your stuff. And that's the cool thing. The, the thing that's cool is when you go to these film festivals and people will come to you and they'll have these real questions, you know, about your actual work that you just did, you know. Um, but they got to see. It, the coolest thing was... Uh, I remember um, for Cure for Loneliness, I was in Raleigh because we were at the, the Raleigh Film Festival. Um, they're at their uh, National Arts Museum and everything, and there was Q&A and everything I did there, and just the questions that were coming at me about everything. I was just like, wow, you really thought about this. Like, you, you actually, you really, you were really watching. You were into it, you know? Um, and then, oh, my God, everybody was genre blast up in uh, Winchester, Virginia. I don't know if you've uh, if you've heard of the Genre Blast Film Festival, but it is fantastic. It's my favorite film festival. I, I, I submit to it every year. Um, 
or at least since Cure for Loneliness, we spend something every year. Okay. Um, and uh, we did win last year, we did win Best Virginia Film for um, We Couldn't Be Any Happier, uh, which was Sergio's that he directed nice. and everything there. So uh, it was really cool, really cool. I really love uh, Shot of Glass. Um, so, but yeah, but no, it's cool with the festival circuit because you, you get around to these people that really want to watch it and they're really into your film. It's this cool thing, but I don't know. I, I wanted to do something that, well, first off with Lex, it's, it's obviously I don't have any rights to the whole thing, so it's a, essentially a fan film, but it's really, um, there's an actual show concept that I have uh, broken down out of that that wouldn't necessarily have to revolve around Lex Luthor or whatever there, but, um, you know, some kind of mastermind and everything there. Nice. Um, but, um, but yeah, but then we'll just use this as a proof of concept. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's something you would want to revisit? Revisit? <laughs> revisit, <laughs> Lex? Um, look, I'm going to tell you what. If, if uh, HBO Max wanted to do a Lex Luthor series and build from here. I actually have like a whole plot thread for like three different episodes in this specific world that we've created here. Nice. Um, like I have a backstory for what's going on with every, I have a backstory for everything that's going on with Mercy, you know. Mercy was exiled. She had been, cause you know, here's the thing. All right, now you can use this for the podcast if you want to not, but I'm gonna get real geeky with you about your character, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, in the actual comic books, first time I ever saw Mercy Graves was in the Superman cartoon, like from the nineties, yeah. right? She was there. She played. She was just a chauffeur, right? But she was always down for every dirty, evil scheme that Lex was doing. She was like his Robin, right? <laughs> and so it was always cool because she would just be there, like in thing. And in one of my favorite episodes that they had there. Lex was dating Lana Lang, um, who was, you know, Superman, back when he was in Smallville, his ex-girlfriend or whatever. He was dating Lana, and uh, he was really, he was really into Lana, and Mercy didn't trust that chick. (laughs) (laughs) And and Mercy uh, was keeping tabs on Lana and was finding out that Lana was actually about Superman and stuff Mm -hmm. and everything, and so, and kind of, you know, like, hey, Lex, like, you know, I looked into her, you know, and all this stuff, and this is what we found out. And then in another one where Batman and Superman meet and everything, there's this uh, storyline where the Joker, or Lex was trying to pay the Joker to get rid of Superman, and the deal goes bad, so Lex shows up at the Joker's place so that they can, like, have it out. So then you have Harley Quinn and Mercy just start fighting and (laughs) just going at it. The whole time that Lex Luthor and the Joker are negotiating, they're just fighting and kicking each other's ass in the background. And then finally they, like, come to some agreement, and Lex is just like, all right, Mercy, let's go. And they just stop fighting, and they, like, walk off. She's, like, limps off, like, (laughs) just really cool. So anyway, so I wanted this character that I thought was, like, my it was a great introduction of my favorite version of Lex Luthor. Uh, she was such a central piece, you know, because anytime you know Lex would never get his hands dirty, it was always Mercy that did it for him. And uh, but in the comic books, she actually ended up in the comic books as well. But she was a dual thing because there was another uh, Amazon. He had two Amazonian bodyguards, and they were Hope and Mercy, Ooh. right? 
and uh, they were both exiled uh, Amazons. But my backstory for your character, for Mercy, is this: for our Mercy, is that she was an Amazon. She was uh, there with hope, with hope, you know, on Themyscira. Uh, hope ran some kind of um, uh, attempted coup, you know, against uh, Queen Hippolyta. They lost. And ultimately, rather than death, it was death or exile. And Hope took exile, and Mercy left with Hope. Because the whole idea that I want with Mercy's character is that she's a very sad level of devotion from her character. Do you see what I'm saying? To these more powerful people mm -hmm. that she perceived. And see, for her, Hope was going to overthrow you know, Queen Apollo and take over the mascara and be the new queen. And the idea of being attached to that power and being that, you know, that strong woman behind this power piece and everything there, propping them up, that's who Mercy is, you know, at her core. Um, because she was desperately in love with her, but they had a real loving relationship. That's the difference between her and, and, and what she has with Lex. You know, Lex is ultimately using her. Because in my yeah. mind, for our story, my mind is this: is that if that once they were exiled, um, you know, Hope and Mercy did some, you know, some illegal activities and everything. And at some point, they ended up in a Lex, uh, a Lex Corp warehouse stealing some shit. And in the course of all of that, with that fantastic Lex Corp security that got involved, uh, <laughs> at at some point, uh, Mercy was un was was unconscious when she came to with everything. Hope was supposedly gone and dead because Superman showed up, right? In my mind, let's bet Mercy some lie that Hope was killed, probably at the hands of Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, as he intervened, that's why she was knocked unconscious because it couldn't have been anything that the Lex guys were throwing around because they're fucking Amazons, right? Um, but the idea would be that, in my mind, Lex has Hope's body somewhere, and just Mercy just doesn't know about it. And he's that's how he tests on Amazons to know how he can their weaknesses. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, yeah. So she's like completely devoted to Lex because he's the only guy that's standing against the person who would who killed the woman she loved. And there's that devotion there to him that he would be this, this regular man that would stand up to that kind of power. And then ultimately he's betrayed her in the worst of ways uh, because Hope is still alive somewhere, but she's been turned into a catatonic lab rat. Damn. Ooh. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but that's, that's, that's my take. So like I said, I've got like a... I've got a story and through line for each of them, um, Rebecca Moore, different stuff there, because, you know, but the whole thing with the whole plot device on how we tell our story in Lex, you know, it was kind of like a one-trick pony for this particular story, but then from there it was supposed to open up and focus on everybody else, because as you know, the way the story is, it's very close to Lex because of that framework that we work with, yeah. um, whereas from there I could branch out to other places, but... At the same time, like I said, I have a whole breakdown as well that's not the version that has, you know, Lex Luthor and these iconic characters, you know. Okay. So, um, but I don't, I don't know that I'd come back. It depends. If it gets like a fantastic reception, then 
I feel that it's worth it. I'm sure. That's always it. it just you know, I, uh, I always tell Sergio I just want to do what I want to be doing when it comes to the filmmaking side of things. You know, so if it strikes me and I go, yeah, kind of like honestly, when we were shooting Hero was when I had the idea for Lex because it was the first time I saw Trip in a suit. <laughs> yeah. And the moment he walked in in that suit for Hero, I looked at him and I said, you got to play Lex Luthor. <laughs> I said, you just got to play Lex Luthor. I said, we got to come up with something where you play Lex Luthor. And when I have an idea, what I'll do is I'll just, I'll, I'll make a note, like in my iPhone, and I'll just make a note and I'll just put it in. And then every time from that point that like something will come back to me or like I'll think about it, I'll just come back and I'll just plug a little bullet in, plug a bullet in, plug a bullet in. And then finally, because this is what happened with Lex. So that started way back then. And I was talking to Brie, you know, my um, production designer, oh, yeah. Brie. And I talked to her, you know, about every other day or so. And I'm just talking and we we're talking about trying to get some stuff together for the feature length version of uh, Cure for Loneliness, um, which is something I'd like to try to tackle in the next year. But we were talking about that, but then in there I said, maybe we should do the Lex idea, you know, just as a joke. Like, I kind of threw that out there. Because um, I was thinking to myself, I probably don't have a whole lot there, you know, because I've only just been throwing ideas here and there. So I just, that just to look and see what that was looking like. Oh, and it was fully flushed out. There was like all, like everything was there, like all the scenes and everything, because I just, when a scene would come to me, I'd just put it there and i just, i put a jot down a version of it and then... I just came back and looked at it, you know, moved some stuff around, and I said, actually, I think we are going to do Lex, because it's good to go. It's ready to send to Richard. Like, And I said, if I send this to Richard and he can come up with something, then, you know, that's what it is. And I sent the outline to Richard, and five days later, I had a script. That's amazing. Yeah, Richard, he's a very quick writer. The cool thing about Richard is that he's so creative on his own, that sometimes he'll give stuff a certain spin to it that you didn't you, know, you didn't anticipate. Yeah. You know, just just through the dialogue and everything, he'll get there. Because um, there's certain lines and everything there in Lex that are so very Lex Luthor that I didn't put there. You know, the, the stuff that I put there, like when I made revisions to what Richard had done, it was stuff to, to world build, you know. Yeah. Because when, uh, when, in the limo, when he's listing all the different places and everything there, you know, Richard just used a whole bunch of real world places. You know, you know, Hong Kong and Lebanon was Richard. That was him putting that in there. I'm the one that added Quarto Maltese and Cosnia because they're fictional places yes. in D.C. So that we would, you know, it, it, it would do that. But other than that, like the, the story, pulling together, you know, the dialogue for those characters and you know, um, just kind of that, even just with Richard, just getting the idea behind Mercy, just that she's there, you know, like, she just has to be there, and be a presence, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that's something that he found, you know, and figured out through, uh, through all of that there, but, but yeah, no, he's a very, very creative piece, and, um, and then the times that we've, I've wanted to make adjustments and changes to different things that he's written, um, Sometimes I don't even always know exactly what I want to do. I just know I want to do something different. You know? I mean, like, I don't know about that particular piece, Richard. What, what can we do with that? And, you know, just start kicking around some ideas and start throwing some stuff at you. And then I go, wait a minute. I like that one. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, then he built something off of that. And um, I remember because uh, there's a, there's actually an epilogue for bad things, good people. Um, that uh, I told because I, I wanted I wanted something that wrapped it all up. You know, something that wrapped it all because because you know the way it goes is. <clears throat> I don't. You haven't seen all of Bad Things. There's one whole short that you did not see, that actually takes place between Box Twenty One and Remembrance. Okay. And because um, for Box Twenty One and then the other short, Ergo, that's the one that you didn't see. They they don't world build off of each other, so it's you could easily think that they don't take place in the same time frame. But then when you get to Remembrance, it's the first time that you start seeing things connect two other ones where because that's when we're in the uh, uh, that's when we meet Daryl who you know we don't see again until you'll miss me you know uh, and that's where we actually got his story was in Remembrance so you really you know, really enjoy you'll miss me you really need to see Remembrance to get what's going on with Daryl um, at that point in time um, but then also there's one point when they're in the diner the lead character from Ergo is actually sitting in the diner there with them you don't know that unless you've seen it. So it's so it starts connecting there. But I went to him for an epilogue to um, to kind of tie things together. Um, uh, and he has uh, he actually has Amy um, go to uh, the AA meeting, Amy Alice, and they have a dialogue there. But um, I wanted to. You know, I wanted to wrap up our theme of self-righteousness and whether or not we, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted two people who both achieved their goals. And really with Amy, even more of a through line because she's had more story than anybody else by the time we get to the end. Um, on, you know, where they're sitting with this. Like, or do, you know, do you regret what you did? Do you not regret what you did? It was what, did you get what you wanted? You know. Um, but what I just told you there was probably the most that I told Richard and then everything else he just wrote this beautiful little back and forth between the two of them you know that really ties it up chef's kiss yes (laughs) (laughs) so the first person that tends to see stuff now as of box 21 and that time of year is Brandon Lau Brandon is um, a music composer out of California. Brandon is fantastic. He's phenomenal. Brandon's done, uh, he did trailer music for uh, that last Terminator movie for their, their Chinese trailer or okay. international trailer. I know he did some for that. He does a lot of cyberpunk stuff, which is how it kind of caught me. I, I really like that cyberpunk sound, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, and you know that sound that we've got, because that was, that was my number one. Uh, kind of theme for like Cure for Loneliness. I want this. I want this like almost cyberpunky kind of music score. You know yeah. that I went and pulled out. But then now I found Brandon. Brandon can give you like an amazing score because he did the score for that time of year. So which was, it, it, and I'm gonna tell you, uh, anytime that I send something to Brandon, and then he puts the score to it, I immediately connect to that film now. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there were parts where I was like iffy, like I, because that's kind of my thing right now with Lex. I'm trying to get all the last just picture lock, picture lock in there, 
because as soon as I get it picture locked and I know I don't want to change anything else that I see, I can send it to Brandon and I'll add that music and it'll be that last little bit that lets me go, mm-hmm. yeah, this is working. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll be like, this, this works. Brandon is uh, a friend of mine, man. He's, he's an amazing, uh, amazing composer. Uh, he's, he's like Sergio. I'm still surprised. I'm surprised that he answers my call. it's a testament to your great work people want to work with you well I appreciate that and I I really appreciate them because like I said fans, I've become fans of these people you know and so I'm not um, that's not the whole shit thing there you know I I really enjoyed their work and then was able to go hey would you maybe want to work with me and then they you know they want to do that um and it's just, I feel very, you know, it's, 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 it's actually a pretty humbling thing because, um, you know, it's not like it's just some people that you, that you know that does the things. It's not like, it's like, hey, I know this guy with a camera, and let me go, get, go to him and talk to him on it. It's like, no, you, you get to work with all these talented people. And it's not just like Sergio and the people I work with now. It's like all the people I've had the, the privilege to really work with. You know, again, Matt Birchfield was an amazing cinematographer. He's an amazing director. He's an amazing producer. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty good friend, too. You know, we always had good uh, dialogue and, and, and really good stuff there with him. Uh, the stuff we did, uh, Weekend Warriors, you know, um, which was a, a fun little uh, documentary idea that he had had that he wanted to do. Let's follow a wrestler and, you know, see them do their thing and everything. And kind of did a little concept show out of that. And uh, I enjoyed that, working with him on there. A lot of really great, talented people that I'm privileged to be able to create with. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. How do you recognize someone from Virginia? Uh, whether or not they can merge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's... Uh, that's my number one thing. That's also how I can recognize if you're from North Carolina, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair I, I, enough. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not. Uh, if you got North Carolina plates, um, that's my prejudice that's in my heart. If you got North Carolina plates, <laughs> I assume you're slow and you know, mess up the flow of traffic. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that. You know. Um, but, yeah, um, Virginians aren't the best at merging. And they hate, they hate people using the uh, the zipper feed like you, you, you oh, know, yeah they hate I'm gonna tell you I've driven other places they know how that's supposed to work the only thing is here in Virginia it's even funny because like the, the Virginian pilot puts out like the same article like every year explaining to people that that's how those zipper lanes are supposed to work and you know like that this is how it goes guys you're supposed to do that but everybody else still is just like nah man i waited in this long line you should get over this long i'm not letting you over yep what are you doing (laughs) what are you doing i've seen people start to drive in between the two lanes like no i own this you can't get yeah yeah. i I (laughs) tell you those are some wild stuff Virginia drivers are pretty crazy. That's one of the quickest way for me to tell people Virginia is <laughs> but, but, but more specifically, it's probably to the Hampton Roads area because, you know, it's a very... Driving in Hampton Roads is very different than driving up in Fairfax or driving in, in, in Richmond. They're, they're very different beasts. Here you see a lot of some wild stuff. 
And like I said, down here, I feel like we just have horrible. Everybody, nobody knows how to merge. Mm. <laughs> just that's it. It's it's a lot of people who like to ride the break. Oh, yes. Yeah, fair. Fairfax, Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. everybody's similarly aggressive, but just faster. Just faster. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Similarly aggressive, just faster. Yeah, I like that. That's accurate. So where can we find your work? Uh, you can find my work at channel757.com. Channel757.com. If you go and check that out, um, it's, uh, it's all of my most recent stuff's there. Um, anything that you, you know, trailers, full projects, all of that, it'll be there. Anything that's been released and is open and available online. Um, uh, right now, Bad Things, Good People is not because still, all of them are still in festival um, and finishing that up. But I am planning to fully put that all on a main Vimeo showcase at the beginning of 2022. Beautiful. Um, and uh, I believe um, uh, actually back, Box 21 will actually be running next week as part of um, the um, London Liftoff Film Festival. Nice. So um, they should be doing that through, I know, I think you have, I think that's through the next two weeks or something there. Um, but it's like a purchase through their, their Vimeo stuff and everything, and you'll get to watch it along with all of everything else on, awesome. on festival. But um, but yeah, but so that's the quickest way to see my stuff right now. Uh, anything that's available, channel757.com. Um, yeah, if you go to any festivals and everything where it's premiering, of course, you can obviously see it there. Um, but we should be moving some new stuff in in 2022 onto the site. Beautiful. How can we support your future projects? Oh, man. Um, you can support my future projects by making sure you watch everything on channel 757. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, and sharing all of it to other people who you think will want to watch it. You know, see, here's my thing. I am not the world's greatest promoter of myself. It's, I think that's my personal flaw in everything and all of this. So, I, you know, I have stuff. I've got a website. It's there. You know, I tell people when it's there. It goes to But I'm not constantly beating people over the head with it, yeah. you know. Um, but that's kind of one of those things where I want people, I'm like, you know, if you find it, you find it, you know. And you've got it. But then also, if you really enjoy it, share it with other people. You know? Um, let it be an organic thing. You know? Um, and uh, that's worked pretty well so far. It's okay. I like it that way. Um, but yeah. Um, definitely when lights drops. Make sure you send that to like literally everyone you know, though. Um, oh, my God. That's <laughs> plan. I can't wait. <laughs> so. We're thinking like... After the new year, probably. I'm really hoping right at the beginning of the new year because I'm I'm really believe that um, after what I've looked at today, that probably in the next 24 hours I will likely be sending it to Brandon, Ooh. and Brandon works quick. Yeah. But we're also getting into the holidays, so I don't know what his you know his workload's looking like. He and I, but this is Lex is the first time that Brandon and I have actually collaborated before I finished the project, like oh, for. Wow. For that time of year, I had it all cut together. The only thing it needed was the credits when I sent it to, to Brandon. Um, Box 21 had the credits in there when I sent it to, to Brandon. Um, this time, though, I told him, hey, it's when we, um, it was actually when we did the screen test, when I got a chance to get home and look at everything. I was like, yep, this looks cool. I'm going to definitely do this, right? I, um, I sent him the photos of everything as they were coming out, you know, all those same promo photos I was showing to you. 
um, I sent them to Brandon and I said, I'm doing this Lex Luthor fan film thing. So do you want to get in on this? And Brandon was like, yeah, that looks freaking cool. So we've been talking, so we've already talked about what, what does Lex sound like? You know, we've already had that conversation. So he's already kind of worked into it, but what'll probably happen is hopefully by then tomorrow, I will lock down, picture lock this thing to, to how I want it to look in the next week. If he's available, sit with Brandon and we'll just watch through it together. And uh, through a Zoom meeting, that's how we normally do it. Just yeah. watch through it. And nice. I explained to him, you know, well, I want the music to do this here. And I want this to happen here. And such and such and such. And, oh, and then Brandon will take all of those suggestions and then turn it into something beautiful. And, you know, send it back to me. And then he'll obsess over it for about two weeks and make adjustments and changes. And then send me a final version. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say probably in January, I've got... Uh, I got a lot of stuff coming up uh, come January for myself, so I would love to have this done um, by the beginning of June. Yeah, beginning of January. You know, and I think we'll actually have it done before then, to be quite honest. But I mean, ready to send out to people. Mm-hmm. You know, because really, if I'm wanting it to be done in January for everybody to see it, that means I'm trying to say it'll probably be done in about two weeks. I had always said I wanted to work with Lenisia. Like, I had known about Lenisia for years. Uh, she used to be on the radio and different stuff. Really cool. And we never even, I never even really got to meet her um, until I was doing some stuff with Top Rope Zeus and helping him out with some stuff. And then I got to meet Lenicia and we hit off and she's cool. And she's really cool. Um, and then she's a fantastic actress. Uh and then she got me working with, um, you know, and, and actually Top Rope Zeus, her and Top Rope Zeus, they all got me working with Mike Lamell and everything there as well. You know, Mike and I, crazy thing was Mike had been a part of uh, Project Hot Potato back before with Cinema, uh, well, I was Cinema Cafe, different job, but with, uh, back before with Channel 757, we used to have a competition called Project Hot Potato. And the whole point of it was, it was, uh, it was kind of born out of the, um, uh, out of some ideas for the 48 hour because uh, you know I brought 48 hour to Hampton Roads and my thing was I enjoyed the 48 hour film festival I love it but I always thought I was like man Cassie is so picky once these comp- once the competition part starts and everybody gets so you know eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so we did Project Hot Potato and Project Hot Potato was a competition where you were rewarded through collaboration you know oh. the only way you were going to win which you had to be the team that worked the best with the other teams. Oh, right? and, and, so, and so it would be, be four different directors, and, you know, um, they would start off with, like, uh, like a concept or, or, or a log line and a prop that will be the hot potato that has to move through every all of the films and everything there, and then a genre on what kind of film we're making and a character, right? And... You're that first team, you do all of that, and then when you hand it off to the next team, they've got to put the pro- you know, the hot potato into that. But then also you get to choose like two like I think it was like I think it was like three different elements that they had to carry over from your film into the next film. Oh. And then like you know, the producer, me, I would get to pick one thing as well to kind of make sure that everything still makes sense. <laughs> so, and it was, it, it, I'm going to tell you, Project Hot Potato gave us some insane, 
his some insane stories. There was one. Uh, there was one one year that we did that was um, anyway. Well, it was across the board because we did it like three years, um, and they were all different. But I really enjoyed them. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed getting to the end to to see like you know what all these different teams pulled together and what what story this this full length story now that gets told and how we got here. Um, I think two out of two two out of the three turned out really really. I won't say really, really good, but they were very interesting. Oh, <laughs> very interesting. That is such a cool concept. Um, but Michael Nell was actually part of the first year of Project Hot Potato. So I had actually produced something that he was in, but we never met each other. But the craziest thing about it was that at that point in time, my, um, uh, my neighbor... Uh, for, like the condo that I lived in, like on the other side, he was a filmmaker and he was the, the fourth filmmaker for Project Hot Potato. Oh, wow. So one night at some point, I was producing something that Mike Lamell was sh- uh, shooting and acting in literally on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and we still never met each other until 2019. That's so funny. <laughs> it was kind of cool. And then when I met him, he's like the coolest guy. Uh, you met Mike. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mike's awesome. He's a cool dude. And so, and I loved uh, him coming in and doing Remembrance for me because he's, you know, he's top notch. Mike is top notch. And um, he really nailed everything with Remembrance that I was looking for. Oh, yeah. Like, he very, it, it's hard not to be sympathetic towards Mike's character in that. And, it, and, and he was not given an easy task on making that person sympathetic, right. you know? so well they're, they're like best friends so they actually you know a lot of times <clears throat> you'll have actors that come on and they just have a natural chemistry mm-hmm. and they can just feed off of each other off of the direction that you're giving them like I feel that I got that with Trip and Evan with Hero where you know they had a very natural chemistry back and forth there but it was a different type because they weren't you know Evan gets to play the straight man, you know, and everything, and just be completely annoyed at this really obnoxious version of Trip. <laughs> you know? And, and so, um, but that, and that works out between the two of them and everything with that. But with, with Lenicia and with Mike, they had to have, I, I needed to sell that these people were growing and connecting to each other in a very short amount of time so that I can really sell you on that so then I can just, you know, knock you down. <laughs> Man, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, but uh, but yeah, that was it. That's how I met Mike was uh, I produced that Project Hot Potato thing for him and then eventually we actually were doing the thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this today. Of course. I've had a good time talking to you. Me too. This was been, this has been fun. I love Virginia. I like your podcast. Thank you. You know, again, I'm a fan. <laughs> Me too. So, <laughs> Feeling is mutual. Um. So yeah. So this is this is really cool. I like uh, getting a chance to be here. Um. And yeah, I just 
I appreciate this and I appreciate what you do in continuing to put the best parts of Virginia on.